Our scripture reading today is from Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corner to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bible, we'll be looking at the passage that we just heard read. Thank you, Catherine, for reading that for us. So recently, I was in need of a new pair of glasses. Um, my prescription was no longer cutting it, and so I, you know, I put it off for a long time. Finally, if you wear glasses, you know how this is. Your vision just gets to the point where you're like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to make time to see clearly. And so I made an appointment, had the exam, got a new prescription, ordered the new uh, frames, um, and I put them on, and something didn't look quite right. Uh, if, you've, if, you're, if you wear glasses or contacts, you know, sometimes when you put on a new prescription for the first time, it can be really disorienting. Things might just not look right. It can take a while to get used to it. So I thought, well, okay, I just got to give it time. So I gave it time, gave it a lot of time, I had a lot of trouble, I had blurry vision, I had eye strain, the disorientation didn't get any better, uh, so I finally went in for another exam. I thought, hey, maybe there was a problem when they first took it and they could correct uh, the prescription to see if it can get any better, you know, and I'm already a little bit stressed when they ask me, you know, is, do you like one better or two better? I'm like, I, I already failed this thing the first time. How about you just tell me? Can you just tell me which one's clearer? And I'll pay you. Well, the doctor made a slight adjustment to that uh, prescription, and I was, I was hoping this was going to be it. Went through the whole process again, ordered the new pair, got them, but the same thing happened. Just didn't look right. I thought, well, I'll give it a little time. Maybe I just need to get used to it. Didn't get any better. Eye strain, headaches, all the things. Same thing happened. So then I thought, well, maybe it's the frames. Maybe the lenses just aren't quite right. So I went into the, to the glasses company and had them adjust the frames. In the process of adjusting the frames, they, they actually uh, ruined the lenses. So I had to go through this whole thing again. I ordered another pair. That one wasn't right. And actually, um, if you can believe it, this went on and on another two times. Months are going by. I'm starting to give up hope that I'll ever see clearly again. Finally, though, I was desperate. I scheduled another exam. I thought, I just, I got to do this. So I, I sat in there with the eye doctor again. I explained this whole months-long ordeal. It was a different doctor this time, which was hopeful. It made me hopeful and think, okay, we can, we can do this right this time. He took time to listen, which I appreciated as I described everything that had gone on. He laid out the numbers of my prescription that I had received from them, and then he laid out the, the numbers of my prescription of the glasses I came in with, and he wrote it on post-it notes, which I thought was weird. He's like laying out these post-it notes 
I'm like, okay, this isn't, this isn't going to go well. This isn't going to be any better. But he's, he's looking back and forth from one to the other, and he goes, huh. And that's, that's always a good sign, right? <laughs> when your doctor's looking at some of your results and numbers, and they go, huh. You know, uh, but he says, I figured out what the problem is. So let me rewind a little bit. If you've had an eye exam, um, often when, when you go in, before you see the doctor, you see somebody else, and they sit you down and they do all these other tests, you know, like the really fun ones where they put your face in the torture chamber and they blast air at you for no reason at all, just for their own enjoyment. But another thing they do is, at least here, they take your, your old pair of glasses and they, they measure the prescription on those. So they put them in this machine, they measure that prescription to give the doctor a baseline, just somewhere to start to give you the new prescription. So now fast forward again, and I'm in here, and the doctor's looking at my numbers, and he realizes that when I first came in for that first exam, the assistant took my glasses and put them in backwards. So for months, I was dealing with this vision problem and this nightmare dealing with all these different things because they put it in backwards. That first doctor and the second doctor I saw, before I saw this third guy who figured it out, they were literally working, beginning with me, they were working from a backwards prescription. I tried everything, but there was no way, there was no little tweaks that they could do. Uh, the, the eye doctor, the, the glasses company, anything, they couldn't do anything if I was starting with a backwards prescription. Sure enough, finally I got the new pair and I put it on and I can see again. So praise God. Thank you. Yeah. I thought, this is what it's like to see clearly. It had been so long, I almost forgot. And, you know, I can't help but compare that to our walk with God. And I think of all the ways that our view of things can become distorted. We might start believing lies about God or about ourselves. In particular, it impacts our prayer lives. What we believe about God determines the way we pray. It determines how often we pray, determines the words that we say, the attitude that we approach prayer. Now, we're still early into this new year, and it's a great time for all of us to just take a look at our prayer lives. Where are we in prayer? Uh, most of us would say we want to grow in prayer. Most of us sense that need. We want to keep growing there. As a church, certainly, we want to keep growing into becoming more and more a people of prayer. But we may not always be aware of those roadblocks that might be in the way, those distortions that, that hinder our prayer lives. Maybe over time your prayer life has, has suffered because your view of God has become distorted in some way by what you have come to believe, by what you've experienced in your life. Maybe the way you think he sees you has become distorted, and that too has impacted your prayer life. Well, our time together this morning in the Word is just an opportunity for us to, to take inventory here in January of this new year to, to, set a, to get a prayer reset to recenter our lives toward a vibrant, growing prayer life. And what better place to turn than the words of the Lord Jesus as he teaches us to pray. And so with the Spirit's help, let's take a look at this familiar passage that sets up the Lord's Prayer, uh, hopefully with fresh eyes, to see what we can see how the Lord Jesus invites us to come to the Father in prayer. 
And so let's pray as we turn to this text. Father, we acknowledge our utter dependence on you. We can't know you, we can't see you, we can't even see ourselves clearly without the Holy Spirit. So we thank you for the work of Jesus on our behalf. We thank you for these words of Jesus, this powerful teaching that he shows us, he teaches us how to pray. And so guide us as we seek to know you better, to commune with you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's look at the text that we just heard read. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 5, notice that in teaching us how to pray, what's probably more familiar are the verses that follow, the Lord's Prayer. But notice that in teaching us how to pray, Jesus doesn't just jump right into the Lord's Prayer. Uh, He has this teaching first. So you might think of these few verses as a way that Jesus is sort of clearing away the clutter, reframing us, uh, giving us clear vision so we can pray, so we can enter into prayer, getting rid of some of the distortions. So let's look again at verse number five. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, because they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by people. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who, is in, who sees in secret will reward you. So again, before telling us how to pray, he gives us some correctives or how not to pray. And first, Jesus says, don't pray like the hypocrites. Who are the hypocrites? Well, these are the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Often in the Gospels, he calls them hypocrites. Uh, These leaders went out of their way to pray publicly, to pray loudly, to be sure that everybody heard them praying. They used prayer as a means of elevating themselves, right? To make themselves look better rather than actually pray when they pray. Jesus tells us his disciples, in contrast, are to not make a spectacle of their prayers, not to show off their prayers, but instead go into a private room, Jesus says, shut the door and pray. Not even a place where anybody can see you, but where only God sees you. Now, is Jesus condemning corporate prayer or when we pray together as a church or as a group? Of course not. Jesus is talking to about and to these people who have let their prayer life become more about themselves, letting their prayer become more of a boast about how spiritual they are, and Jesus is bringing us back to the essence of prayer in the first place and what it is, communing with our Father. So even when we pray together as a family, as a church, it's more about the vertical than it is about the horizontal. We're either, if we're praying on our own or if we're praying as a group, we're communing with God. Those people that make a big show of their prayers to impress people, Jesus says, don't pray like them. Don't look at them as role models because that's not really prayer at all. And now, none of us this morning are Pharisees, at least I don't think so, uh, but we can fall into the same trap that they do, that they did to make prayer more about us, to forget that it's about our relationship with our Father. Are we as quick to turn to prayer when we're by ourselves? 
when no one else is watching? Because Jesus is saying, God is watching. And he's not saying that as in, God is watching you, so you better watch out, you better be praying. No, no, no. Jesus' point is, God is with you all the time. He's watching you. He sees you even when you're alone. And he's ready to hear you. He's ready to listen. So he warns us about another wrong way to pray in verse 7. He says, when you pray, don't babble like the Gentiles, since they imagine they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them, because your Father knows the things you need before you ask him. So the first corrective Jesus gives us toward the Pharisees, the religious Jewish leaders. And now Jesus turns to the Gentiles, right? All the other nations, the pagans who worshipped any number of gods. He says, don't pray like them either, because they babble. Do we have any prayer babblers in here? What, what, what's Jesus talking about? The, the ESV translates this, don't heap up empty phrases. I like that. I, I can't help but thinking of the old uh, Charlie Brown cartoons, you know, when a parent or teacher is talking. You know what the noise is? Wah, 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 wah. And the kids are in here this morning. Maybe that's how I've been sounding all along. Is that... <laughs> R.T. France writes that it's not many words that God responds to, but it's an attitude of prayerful dependence. So it's quality over quantity. But we might read this and say, "Uh uh-oh, well, sometimes I ramble on in prayer. Sometimes I don't know what to say. Jesus isn't saying we can't use a lot of words when we're praying. He's not saying that our prayers need to be polished. But he's pointing us toward this attitude of dependence towards simplicity in prayer, and what's actually going on when we come to our Father. Many words are not needed to get his attention, is what Jesus is saying. Why? Because, he says, the Father knows what you need before you even ask. Jesus isn't saying there's anything wrong with using prayer formulas, right? He's, he's about to give us one here in a minute. He's not saying there's anything wrong with uh, uh, written prayers or repetition, The old King James sometimes throws people off, I think, when it says vain repetition here. The emphasis is on vain or empty. That's those empty phrases. Jesus repeats himself sometimes, right? The Psalms, many of those prayers are very repetitive. What Jesus is condemning here is pagan babbling. So pagan prayer of Jesus' day often included long strings of just nonsense syllables, kind of like magic words repeated over and over in different ways and different combinations to get the attention of, of this God or of that God. This kind of prayer babbling came from a place of anxiety and uncertainty. Why? Well, there were all sorts of pagan gods out there, and they didn't ever know which God they needed to appease today or, or which God might be listening today or which combination of words would do the trick, and so this babbling just became their practice. So out of their uncertainty, is anybody up there listening? Out of their anxiety, well, how do I get some God's attention, came this babbling, this heaping up of empty phrases in hopes of getting a God's attention. What a contrast in what Jesus is teaching us here. What a contrast with Christian prayer. Jesus says we don't pray that way because we have a Father that already knows what we need before we ask. We don't have to wonder, is he listening? We don't have to wonder, how do I get his attention? Does he need to be appeased or impressed somehow today? He's already with you. He's already listening. 
And we can enter his presence certainly with plenty of our own anxiety, plenty of our own uncertainty, but in his presence we can find peace and rest and unconditional love. See, Jesus is teaching us here to see the Father clearly so we can approach him in prayer without all the distractions, without all the distortions that so often get in our way. A pagan babbling might seem a bit distant for us from our context, but I think we can fall into similar traps too. Health and wealth preachers come to mind. Using prayer, using a promise of success, if you just pray this way, if you just pray with this kind of faith, if you just name what you want and claim it, you can have it. Maybe we try to whip ourselves up in prayer into some sort of spiritual or emotional frenzy, which again makes it more about us and our experience rather than the simplicity of talking to our Father. And so before giving us the Lord's Prayer, Jesus confronts these two errors that were so common in his day that that were distortions that he didn't want his disciples to fall into. But I can't help wondering if Jesus were delivering this sermon today, what might he point out? What prayer trends would he call out that we're prone to today in our culture? Uh, One way maybe is by treating God like a vending machine, right? We put a little prayer in, get a little blessing out, right? I think we can approach prayer that way. I had my quiet time today, so I'm doing pretty good, right? We tend to only turn to God when we need something, and that's human nature. That's not just our time and culture. That's all time. But one recent study looked at data from, a, uh, from Google searches related to prayer and how often uh, prayer searches come up in Google across more than 100 countries. And in the early months of the pandemic, as we might expect, we saw prayer searches rise on Google dramatically. Uh, which is good. God can and does often use crisis in our lives to remind us of our need for Him. So that's, that's a good thing. But we all know human nature. Where that, that graph goes up, it must also come down, right? Uh, where things maybe feel a bit easier, and in the months following that, we saw the numbers go way down. Because that's human nature. I, I, I needed God more yesterday than I do today. Things are, things are a little bit easier. I don't need God as much, which shows us our addiction to comfort. It shows us the way that we see prayer. We see prayer as a tool to deliver us from difficulty rather than communing with our Father. Maybe Jesus would call out a tendency that some of us have to treat prayer flippantly. How often do we say, I'll be praying for you, and might not actually mean it? Or might forget or not actually do it. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers, right? The cultural trend, though, that I find most convicting myself is the tendency not to prioritize prayer at all, which reveals so much of our view of God and of reality itself. For, for many of us, our worst prayer habit is, is not praying. Our culture prizes productivity and and instant gratification. And so pausing my to-do list and and stepping away from all the things swirling in my life to just spend time with God, well, that feels counterproductive, doesn't it? 
Churches can fill sanctuaries for special events, even for church services, for special speakers, but when we get to have a prayer gathering, how many show up? That's not just here at Trinity. This isn't a a condemnation of, of this church, but it's human nature. It's all churches. We often think it's enough to believe the right things. We're not atheists in our beliefs, but sometimes we are in practice. A Christian who doesn't pray is a form of practical atheism. Now, please don't hear this as a guilt trip. Don't hear Jesus' words. Don't hear my words this morning as a, as a guilt trip. All Christians struggle in prayer at times. I know I do. The enemy wants us to hear this truth as a shame on you, yet another area of your life you're failing at. Get your act together. But that's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is confronting errors in prayer, not to burden us, not to condemn, but to free us. His teaching isn't saying, look how messed up you are, but saying, look at how good God is. Look at who your father really is. He's not a father who's shaking his head in disappointment at all the ways you fail and how you mess up when you pray. Jesus is saying, you have a father who is ready, who is listening, who knows what you need before you ask and invites you into his presence. A father who wants relationship with you that much that he sent his son to give his life to reconcile you to himself. Quite a different picture of God the Father than sometimes we get in our minds. So Jesus clears away the distortions. So growing in prayer isn't about getting it right, having just the right words, but we can take an honest look at our prayer lives and our prayer habits and what they might reveal about what we believe about God, what we believe about ourselves the way we think God sees us. Let these words of Jesus just clear away any of the the junk that has gotten in the way of your communion with God. Let him turn around your backward lenses to see God more clearly. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, this message for you is to recognize your need to see what Jesus has done for you, to give you unbroken access to your Father. See, in in religion oftentimes, prayer is used as a getting bonus points in heaven or, or accumulating good works. But no, Jesus boils it down. I made the way for you to commune with the Father. And so all this Jesus gives us is just set up, really, for the Lord's Prayer. And so all this has just been the introduction, so now we can begin the sermon. Just kidding about that. But notice in verse 9, Jesus says, therefore, you should pray like this. So he points us back to what he's just taught us about prayer, the, the distractions, the distortions that he's just cleared away. Now, he says, therefore, in light of all that I just told you, pray like this. So rather than teach on each line of the Lord's Prayer this morning, let's aim to take in these familiar words, maybe with fresh eyes, in light of what we've just heard from the Lord Jesus, and spend a few moments in our time together praying the Lord's Prayer. I'm going to pray a line, 
of the Lord's Prayer. I'll pray one of these petitions out loud, and then I'll give us a few moments of quiet just to pray. You might want to pray and meditate on the words of that petition. Something along those lines might come to mind, and you can just pour your heart out to God. And then I'll pray the next line, and I'll give us a few moments there too. But before we do that, let me read our passage one more time from the way uh, the message paraphrases this setup to the Lord's Prayer. Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play before God. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can manage. The focus will shift from you to God, and you will begin to sense His grace. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice, peddling techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. This is your father you're dealing with, and he knows better than you what you need. With a God like this loving you, you can pray very simply like this. And so now let's bow for a few moments together as we pray together the Lord's Prayer. I'll pray a line, and again, you can pray as your heart leads. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. Well, it's January of a new year. How's your prayer life? In what ways do you want to grow in prayer in 2024? As I said at the beginning, we want to keep growing as a church, as a people of prayer. And on your own, in your family, in your connection group, what's a prayer practice that you would like to start? What's a prayer practice that you'd like to maintain? You know, for centuries, Christians have used the Lord's Prayer reciting it regularly every day, multiple times a day, but also using it as as headings for prayer, kind of like we just did together. You might take up that habit of praying the Lord's Prayer, pray one of the petitions, and then just spend some time writing out your prayers, just saying your prayers to God under that heading, under that theme. Be guided into prayer by this prayer from the Lord Jesus. The most important thing Jesus is teaching us here about prayer is communing with God as our loving Father. And so the Spirit may have brought to mind this morning some 
way that your view of God has become distorted. Not treating prayer as a means to an end, but seeking the presence of God for His own sake. If you have your Bible in front of you, I close with the words of Jesus a bit further along in this Sermon on the Mount. He comes back to prayer again in chapter 7, verses 7 through 12. Jesus says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Who among you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, we can call you Father. We can come into your presence because of the life and death and resurrection of your Son and in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for this precious teaching. We ask that you would help us to take it to heart in a new way. Grow us in prayer. Help us to become as a church more and more a people of prayer. For the glory of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.